You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Broncos Camp Podcast, they're back at it after a two-day respite to recuperate from the preseason loss to the Seahawks on Thursday night. And of course, the Broncos came out a bit banged up, and that seems like a really good place to start this, Ryan, because on the positive side, you saw Joseph Jewell doing individual work, you saw Bug Howard back out there in uniform for individual work, saw Jake Butt doing individual work, and we will hear from Jake Butt later on in this podcast, but you're also going out there without Theo Riddick, without Andy Janovich, both of them looking at six to eight week timetables for recovery. Let's actually start with fullback. Let's start with Andy Janovich. Because George Aston is the only fullback on the roster. Now, what's interesting is after practice, Ryan, Vic Fangio was asked whether you could go a week or two without a fullback on the roster. And he said, sure. So just because George Aston is the only fullback doesn't mean he's got a roster spot. Given the timetable for Andy Janovich, it's possible they could look and say, okay, we can go one to three or four weeks without a fullback here using tight ends as fullbacks. We saw a little bit of that today with tight ends motioning into the backfield, some from Troy Fumagalli in particular. So George Aston, he's the only fullback. He's a story right now, and he's had a good camp. Doesn't mean that he's locked for the 53 here. Interesting scenario the Broncos have right now. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing is Troy Fumagalli is a perfect example of a guy that they have been using as that halfback. And so if they're not using a tight end in that position, they're also, of course, when they go two back, it's actually two running backs. Like today you saw Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman in the backfield flanking Joe Flacco, and they've done that from time to time. So you're right. When he says that, that's correct. The, the way they run this offense, there are multiple ways they can get around it. I think the bigger impact really becomes on special teams and what Andy Janovich brought on special teams because you did see some problems in tackling in the Seattle game on special teams. There were multiple missed tackles guys taking bad angles and you know what without Andy Janovich that is a bit of a problem that's a bigger problem for me than what he does on the offensive side of the ball and what they're going to be missing to that end Tom McMahon was actually working with George Aston after practice they were working on punt protection techniques because with Janovich down George Aston for the moment is going to step in and be first team punt pro so that matters you mentioned the bad angles Colby Wadman didn't have a good night. The hang times were around 3-6, 3-6-1 on his punts, a lot of low line drives. A lot of questions about the special teams going in. Of course, we talked about kickoff and punt returner a lot. But from what I saw Thursday, Ryan, they can find a returner. But that seems to be the least of the issues right now with that third phase. 100% agree. In fact, actually, the returner amazingly, even though that led a lot of the headlines coming into camp, who's going to be their punt returner? It has taken a back seat to, as you mentioned, it, the punting. Oh my gosh. that uh, You almost wonder if Justin Vogel can come back for a little bit of competition. I'm not saying that, although he was a Pro Bowl alternate for Green Bay in 2017. But the fact is, Colby Wadman did not have a good game. And he's had inconsistent moments. We've seen it before, and, and, and understandably so. He's a younger player in the league, too. Then... 
the tackling, downfield tackling was just really, really bad. Penalties, if it wasn't a ta- if it wasn't bad tackling, it was penalties. Sometimes it was both. Uh, Tim Patrick is a guy I definitely want to single out. Kept taking bad angles, and, I, and I'm not really sure why. He kept overrunning the play. I saw it at least a couple of times. You saw other guys, Kalfani Muhammad, I think it was running down once. I mean, there, there's just there's just a lot that needs to be coached up there. And Annie Janovich was a pretty good, if not very good, special teamer for you. He's going to be missed. And you know what? Sometimes people will tease us a little bit like we talked about Cody Latimer and how good a special teamer he was. Benny Fowler, how good a special teamer he was. You know what? When those guys are gone, you see the difference. Well, the thing with Cody Latimer was that he was a second-round pick, and you weren't drafting to be a special teamer. Benny Fowler undrafted. Andy Janovich, sixth-round pick. That's part of what you expect, and they delivered. Now, in terms of trying to find solutions on special teams, guys who have played well at times in the past, let's talk about Jamal Carter for a little bit. Because back in 2017, he was a pretty good special teamer. Forgotten in 2018 as he dealt with a torn hamstring. Buried on the depth chart at safety this year. Today, he's working at inside linebacker, something that Vic Fangio said Jamal Carter wanted to do at some point. And with all the injuries there, Josie Jewell was in uniform today. Good step forward for him, but he's going to be eased back in. He's a ways off. Joe Jones is a ways off. Todd Davis is still a ways off. Yet Joe Deneen taking first team reps with at inside linebacker next to Josh Watson today. I'm not surprised at that because Joe Deneen actually did some good things late on Thursday, and it's time to probably give him a little bit of a look. But Jamal Carter, he wasn't making this team at safety the way it's going. He has a chance at inside linebacker, and he has even more of a chance if he can do well on special teams because the Broncos right now, they are begging for guys to step up, guys to make big hits. We often refer to the Terrell Davis hit back in 1995 that's an ex- that's an exceptional circumstance but we need somebody when you're watching this this team needs somebody to make an impression out there yep and that was an interesting move uh, Jamal Carter but it's a smart move honestly and the only thing I thought of was was Sue Cravens and how the coaching staff had said, no, he has to make this team as a safety. We don't want him as a hybrid guy. Well, now they're sort of allowing Jamal Carter to be a bit of a hybrid guy because, of course, he still has the capability of playing safety if needed, but he's going to possibly make the team now as inside linebacker. I thought that was a little bit interesting, but again, for him as a back end of the roster guy, he wasn't making the teams a safety. There's just too much depth there. Guys like DeMonte Thomas keep making plays. Sua Cravens is already, as far as I'm concerned, the fourth guy in that safety room. And if they keep five, I think it's going to be DeMonte. So, so now you're in a position where you're Jamal Carter and you see all these injuries happening to this position. They're not really bringing in any more guys right now because they expect their other guys to get healthy. This is an opportunity to get a longer look playing inside linebacker. And as you mentioned it, guys like Joe Deneen, for example, getting looks with the ones for crying out loud, something I didn't think we'd be saying at any point during training camp. Sua Cravens, though, didn't really want to be linebacker. He really wanted to settle at safety As Fangio said after practice today, that inside linebacker, you got to want to hit. That's one thing that Justin Hollins, he feels, has to show that he really wants to hit. Jamal Carter, we've seen that he can hit. We've seen that he can lay the wood when necessary. No, I guess guess that's fair, but if you're asking Sua Cravens, do you want to have a job or not? True. (laughs) 
I think it kind of comes down to. But, I mean, the team says they want him to make us a safety, and he wants to be a safety. So it, it, it kind of works out for everybody. But, yeah, Justin Hollins, boy, he had a good play today, downfield and coverage. I've, I've really liked some of the versatility we're seeing. It's pretty raw with Justin Hollins. But there was a play in the Seattle game where he kind of ran around the entire formation chasing Paxton Lynch. And he had to come from one side, and he just he just followed him all the way around the field. You see that burst. But then when he gets a chance to run an inside linebacker and see some of that coverage, that he has the potential of that too. He, he could be a really fun player for this team into the future. I don't know how much to expect from him this year, but I, I really like the beginning of what we're seeing. How many times in the offseason did we talk about Justin Hollins having 4-5 speed, having the same timed straight-line speed as Noah Fant? And he's had opportunities to show that. I would say right now his coverage is a little bit ahead of his pass rush work, although he did have a pressure today. But the fact that he can do both... Long term, that is what Vic Fangio is looking for. And also now with Jeff Holland out of the mix, you can see that he fits there at outside linebacker as well. Fangio said the reason they cut Jeff Holland was that they were running deeper at outside linebacker than other positions. They need to open up a spot uh, to bring in Rashad Causey at cornerback. But still, if Holland was trending in the right direction to them, they wouldn't have let him go today. They would have let go of somebody else. Notable, you and I were talking about uh, Jeff Holland quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Had some pressures, some near misses on Thursday. But at the same time, when you talk about getting to the quarterback on a consistent basis over the broad spectrum of three weeks of training camp plus two preseason games, Malik Reed is getting there more than Jeff Holland. And Malik Reed also is doing more in short area coverage when asked to do that than Jeff Holland. And I think that's why Malik Reed looks like he's on track for a spot on the 53 and Jeff Holland is no longer a Bronco today. It seems like Malik Reed had leapt in front of him on the roster and just by what we'd seen on the play on the field. And you know what? I mean, Jeff Holland is still a young player in this league. I, I hate sort of giving up on young players that have had limited reps. But at the same time, when a guy comes in that uh, is younger in the league than you and is already ahead of you, yeah, it, it can happen that way. Uh, there's some other things potentially coming down the pike for him too. But uh, in the end, this is this is kind of where... I guess this is where it ultimately had to go. I, I, as far as the depth go, is what Vic Fangio is saying. It's an interesting point about depth at outside linebacker. I, <laughs> at this point in training camp, would you say it, it is a deep position, outside linebacker? I wouldn't say it's overly deep, but at the same time, you accept that if you lose Bradley Chubb or Vaughn Miller, you are not replacing them. You have someone stepping in and playing the position. You are not replacing either of them. Dakota Watson at least can be capable, and that's your one proven guy. Malik Reed has potential, but we still need to see it against the ones at a certain point. We're not going to know for a while, and if he has to go out there, then they're going to have to change what they do schematically. You probably wonder if maybe you see more of Justin Hollins if he becomes a pure edge if something happens to Miller and Shove, oh, I mean, I can't believe we're talking about this. Sorry, listeners, I know we're scaring you right now <laughs> by discussing the notion of having both outstanding edge rushers, one a perennial Pro Bowl or one who will become a perennial Pro Bowl or not in the mix. This is the nightmare scenario for the Broncos. But it's one you have to think about. That being said, 
I don't think the depth is bad. It's just that beyond Dakota Watson, it's unproven. I think Malik Reed can be good depth. I think he can be Shaq Barrett going forward. Someone who can step in and give you 15, 20 snaps at a high level and becomes a starter in this league at some point. Would not surprise me if he takes that path, but right now it's just that you don't know. And if something happens to Malik Reed, then it's it's not looking too good at all because at least Malik Reed has got some upside. And you could see that if he got forced into action, that he would probably get better and better and adjust and up his game over time. And and that's where, if you're taking a look at two young players side by side, and maybe they view Holland, Jeff Holland, and Malik Reed similarly, you're probably taking Malik Reed at this point. He's shown more. Simply put, he's shown more. And so in that case, I, I, I can understand why they opted to go there. I thought it was a bit surprising of the timing in camp when that move happened. But if you're looking at roster spots, maybe that's just where you felt like you had. I kind of felt like they, and I mean no direct offense to anybody specific, but like say Trey Johnson, who's really, really struggling right now. He struggled in the game against Seattle. He struggled today in practice, gave up two deep touchdown completions, one against Brett Rippon to Trinity Benson, and then one with Joe Flacco to Emmanuel Sanders. If you were looking to upgrade cornerback and you saw a way to upgrade cornerback, I mean, that that guy's really having a tough time. Maybe that's why Rashard Kazi is here. Of course, they needed extra cornerback help because they're still kind of easing Bryce Callahan back into full work. Horace Richardson's dealing with a hamstring issue. Kareem Jackson's dealing with a hamstring issue. So neither of them were out there today. And yeah, Kareem Jackson's mostly a safety, but he is part of the corner mix as well. So... There was a short-term practice need, but I think Causey, they want to see what he can do. It was a first day. He had a pass interference call at some point, but uh, it wasn't getting torched in the way that uh, Trey Johnson was out there today. It was uh, kind of troubling the way he, he looked. But again, he's down there. He's working with a third team. That third team period for the defense against the first team offense, that was when Joe Flacco had his two longest completions of the day. I don't want to downplay Flacco making those connections to Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton, but look who it was against. It was against the third team. So that's why looking back at the practice and looking at my notes, I'm not making a big deal out of those. No, or not. You know, one thing I did like as far as deep completions go, and, and the Broncos are clearly making a big point about getting Noah Fant involved in the passing game. A lot of targets for him. Today was one, I mean, they haven't seen a ton of downfield targets for Noah Fant. They've been using the tight ends mostly in stick, slant, short cross kind of motion stuff. But today, Noah Fant got a really deep completion. It was on a kind of a boot there for Joe Flacco to his right found Noah Fant downfield, and he was able to turn it upfield. I'd like to see a little bit more of that. I would as well. We've been talking about that the last few months, and especially with Emmanuel Sanders still working his way back. What if he has a setback as he recovers from this ruptured Achilles? You need vertical speed. It's just not in that room on a proven basis right now. So your vertical threat might have to be the 4 or 5 guy who weighs 250 pounds and can be a matchup nightmare. But if he can be used in that regard down the seam, that can at least get the safeties back and open things up underneath for the running backs because if you have a scenario where you don't have a downfield threat and the safeties are cheating up, it's going to look like weeks 14 through 17 of last year for this offense. Well, just think about the the teams that have that 
downfield tight end threat. Travis Kelsey, when Rob Gronkowski played, even Zach Ertz is a guy that they use like that. They use him all over the place. But think about those offenses and how they function with a downfield threat at tight end. Well, the interesting thing, you mentioned Gronk, and the fact that Gronk was so effective down the seam gave the Patriots a vertical threat, even though we all know, as remarkable as Tom Brady is, he doesn't have the deep sideline pass in his arsenal anymore to get it downfield vertically he has to go between the numbers so you don't have that additional yardage of going outside and so for Joe Flacco viewing it long term let's say Joe Flacco does well enough to where he's going to be your quarterback over the next few years then if his arm strength takes a hit then you have this element of the offense that can help you out the other thing is going down the seam sometimes that can develop a little bit quicker than going outside. So I want to see more of that. I was encouraged by that play. I was encouraged by Noah Fant catching passes at every level today. I'm encouraged by what he can do after the catch. I like the way he played Thursday night in the passing game. Noah Fant, he may be officially the second team tight end. To me, he's got to be playing starters minutes if this team's going to work. It's a different element to the offense that no other tight end on the team can possibly offer. And but but used correctly, that's kind of the point I think we're getting at with Noah Fan. It's used correctly. He's a different element. If it's just with stick, drag, slant routes, you have all the tight ends that can do that. What you need to do is you need to utilize him downfield a little bit more, open things up, and that's going to open things up for your run game. That's going to open things up for other receivers on the field. That's what he's brought here to do. Way more, and I know that all coaching staffs want to see their tight ends block, way more than having him in to block. He needs to be opening up things up for the rest of the team. It's a little bit of what you were hoping for from Jake Butt last year. But then it went away so quickly when he had the torn ACL. Jake Butt had a setback earlier in camp, but there he was, back in pads, running routes, cutting on that knee. Ryan Edwards, Benjamin Albright, and I talked with Jay Booty after practice. How did it feel to get back out there? Felt great. Um, it's been a long time coming, man. It's been a, been a tough process, a tough, tough, uh, tough couple weeks for me. Um, but, you know, I've been putting the work in. It's what I love to do. I'm um, going to continue to work. You know, nothing's going to stop me from getting back out there. So um, this is just a small step in the right direction. What's the, what's the biggest challenge, being there on the sideline, wanting to be out there but unable to get out there physically? I mean, there's a lot of challenges, man. I mean, shit, I just... You know, it's it's probably looking back and knowing what you can do when you're healthy and that, you know, you went nine months without any setbacks and, um, you know, to deal with it the first couple of weeks of camp. And, you know, it's just it's just crazy. It's it's nothing structurally or wrong with my knee. It's, it's really nothing that they can pinpoint what's going on. It's just part of recovery. Um, you know, it's just crazy how much, you know, things can change in a year. Um, but it's, a lot of things are out of my hands. You know, what's what I can control is my work ethic and my attitude, and that's what I'm doing, just working and getting back out there. What did you do the last couple of weeks to get that knee raid where you could come back out there today? A bunch of different stuff. You know, I've been, you know, working on the side with the trainers, um, you know, getting out here and, and doing different cutting drills, different blocking drills, detail work, a lot of, you know, strength and uh, – uh, they call it vestibular rehab, just like spatial awareness of your joints, stuff like that. Um, science, medical stuff. But, yeah, no, I, I don't know. It's, you know, it's, it's a bunch of different little things that we did and, um, you know, all added up, played a part to getting back out there today. 
How do you go about it? I mean, for you, some of the frustrations you've had to stay me- positive mentally throughout this whole process. How do you do that, man? Yeah, it's it's tough, no doubt. <laughs> uh, I can't say I've just been smiles this whole entire time. You know, it's it, it's been tough, but you know, I got a good group of people around me, good good uh, support system between my family, uh, friends, teammates, and coaches out here. Uh, everybody, you know, keeping my head in it. Um, anybody that knows me um, knows that this is what I love to do. It's what I've been doing my whole entire life. I love to compete. I love to work. Um, so everybody just keeps reminding me of that. You know, don't get too down on yourself. Like, it's going to turn the corner eventually. You know, I've had two two uh, ACLs on my right, and my right feels normal. You know, I've already came back from my right once. I uh, came back from it twice, actually, and felt good. So um, this one's a little bit longer than I'd like, but it's part of the process. I'm trusting the process, and there's no doubt I'll be back out there strong. Fellow tight end Austin Ford tears his ACL. What advice do you have for a young buck coming up to be able to deal yeah, with that? Yeah, man, that's tough. Uh, Ford C, man, one of my favorite guys on the team. Dude's a stud. Absolute workhorse. I mean, you guys saw him, you know, working with the ones, twos, threes, special teams, playing receiver, tight end. Full. I mean, he literally did anything the coaches asked. Um, excuse me. Unfortunately, it's just part of the game, you know. And, uh, you know, he came over the day after the game and, you know, chopped it up. I think the biggest thing is he just needs to be around people to keep his spirits up. Um, you know, he's going to be on IR. You know, he'll still make some good money this year. Um, and then, you know, a year a year from now is camp next year. So, he, you know, he should be feeling good. He should be all right. I mean, the dude's got a big heart and uh, loves the game. So there's no doubt in my mind he'll be back out there next year. You said Austin needs people to help keep his spirits up. Who kept your spirits up over the last nine months or so? Yeah, I mean, guys, guys like Fort, you know, uh, Fumagalli, Jeff, um, the coaching staff here, my dad, my mom, um, friends. Um, it's been a group effort for sure. You know, me, myself, you know, you know, trying to hype myself up a little bit, um, you know. And for me, it's just I just got to feel good, you know, because when, when I feel good, I, it's, I know the rest takes care of itself, you know. So um, just reminding myself that this is going to turn the corner. It's going to get better. Um, you know, there's going to be some tough days, yes, uh, but there's going to be more good days than bad. So just keep trusting that. I like what you said about Austin. Fort. I was going to refer to it as paying it for, but it's paying him back because Austin Fort helped Jake Butt, as he pointed out. Good support system. The other thing, and let's just get right into bottom line roster construction. Austin Fort being injured, it's a tough break. He was having a great camp. That really does help Jake Butt's chances of making the 53. You can't deny that. One of the first things I said as soon as the uh, we found out about the injury, I said, well, they desperately need Jake Butt now. Uh, it, 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 whoever they bring in a tight end, if it was Brian Parker or Tamaric Hemingway or any way that, that, that's out there, they are not Jake Butt. They don't offer the same kind of upside. Austin Ford was showing to be a fairly reliable target. I understand about the drops in camp, and that's, but, but he was working very, very hard. He was a rookie. He was a young player. You knew that there, if this was the baseline, he had a long ways to go. But Jake Butt's got so much upside. And if you have a combination of Jake Butt healthy along with Noah Fant healthy, that means you can have one of those kinds of tight ends on the field at all times. You don't have to have them both on the field at the same time. You could, but in reality, you could have, say, Fumagalli or Hireman on the opposite side of either one of those, and that opens up a ton of things. Is it possible, though, that maybe Jake Butt is competing for a spot with George Aston? That's the interesting thing. It's not simply about him. If they like George Aston, because remember, Andy Janovich is going into the final year of his contract. If George Aston does something with this opportunity that is before him over the next few weeks, then the Broncos could keep two fullbacks on the 53. That, <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I can't say that with a straight face because in today's NFL, that sounds so absurd. And you know, if Aston and Janovich both make the 53, there are going to be people pointing out that the Broncos are keeping two fullbacks as an offense that maybe is trying to turn back the clock a little bit. Kind of appropriate, but... Really, I think Aston and Butter are going for one spot. That seems about right. I, I take the tight end at this point, but it kind of depends on special teams a little bit and the way they, they chop things up. If Aston shows to be a very good special teamer, then I, there's always a possibility. But right now, if, if I was betting on it, I would say that they keep four tight ends. If Aston does well in punt pro, I think he makes the team, though. And that's a key thing. And that's why when I talked to him after practice, I had to ask him, okay, what were you and Tom McMahon working on? Because it was one of those kind of animated conversations not angry but it was you know clearly something that tom mcmahon wanted to demonstrate to him wanted to show him something that matters and the other thing that we all know is that when a coach pays individual attention to a player like that that means they're invested in him that they believe something is there it's when they stop doing that individual coaching that you know the player probably not long for the team because then they don't have the same emotional and financial investment no, I think that uh, that's appropriate. Uh, Aston, you know, got some. He's getting time with the ones today. I, I think that there's there's a possibility there, but again, I'd, I'd lean to where they, as Vic Fangio put it, that they use a little bit more tight end halfback. They'll they'll go two back with that two running backs more. So it's a it's a hit. Losing Janovich is a hit. There's no doubt about it. But that seems like the more realistic trajectory of this thing right now. We are now 20 days away from the cut to 53, of course. Three more preseason games, two joint practices with the 49ers coming up later this week. So we'll monitor that and be with you all the way through. For Ryan Edwards, I'm Andrew Mason. This has been the Broncos Camp Podcast. Talk to you tomorrow.